Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for episode two of the Skronko Wrestling Podcast. This is Dana Smith, the coach at Carnegie Middle School, and I am lucky enough to be with Garrett Lane, the head coach of Bella Vista High School. First of all, before we even get started, I just want to thank everybody for the support on the first podcast. We had a lot of people within the program listen, and unbelievably, quite a few people from outside the program listen, and even some people in the industry that gave us a little bit of feedback and uh, and took some time, and we want to just really thank them for helping us out and making it a little bit better. So thank you very much. Thank you guys very much for listening. A lot of really positive comments from everybody. I got some texts, some emails. I know uh, Ralphine put it on the, the Bella Vista fan page. My parents were listening to it. Um, so thank you guys very much for taking the time to listen. I actually had a lot of wrestlers tell me that they listened to the whole entire podcast, which is impressive. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, that's surprising considering their attention span. Yeah. But anyway, um, so we got some good stuff coming for you this week or month, I should say. Sorry about that. Um, we're going to give some updates on the program. I know we're in off season, so you'd be amazed at how much stuff is actually going on when we're in the off season and the planning that we have uh, coming up. We're going to talk about the mental side again. We'll talk a little bit about a mastery focus, um, and Coach Lane is going to talk about some mental rehearsal and how we prepare in that way for matches and practice and just kind of life in general. And then we'll we'll give you a little bit of um, more information. I'm a little bit worried about this part, um, the, the five-point move. It's my turn to answer the questions. I have five questions ready for Coach Smith, and he has no clue what I will ask him. But I do have control over all editing, so that's a good thing. I got <laughs> nice that, little, that, that little safety nice uh, button to head into. Just a side note for the viewers, or I'm sorry, the listeners. I showed up here an hour and a half ago, and we were supposed to start an hour ago, and we realized we were talking about coaching and life and relationships and teaching. And then we looked at the clock and we're like, wow, an hour passed. It felt about, felt like it was about five minutes maybe. So, um, it's cool. It's good to have a good, good, uh, relationship, good friendship with, with each other. So it's fun. It's good stuff. And, and as our students and former students know, it was an hour and a half of really nothing. So yeah, <laughs> we're, we're good at that. That's we're why, talking about them. That's why we're social studies teachers. All right. <laughs> With no further ado, let's get started with episode two of the Scrunko Wrestling Podcast. Woo-hoo. All right, let's get started here with some program updates. Coach Lane, you are the master of the information on what's kind of been going on and what's coming up. So why don't you give us a little more information on what is happening with the program? So we took... Thank you, by the way. We took all of August off uh, just to give everybody a physical break, mental break, because we had so much commitment from our team over the spring and summer. So we took August off, got let the kids get back into the flow of the new school year. And once September started, we uh, got back back to work pretty much. And uh, we are working hard already. This week we were in the weight room uh, two times, and we had a day off from Labor Day and a minimum day. So next week, uh, September 9th, we start going into the wrestling room on Mondays and Wednesdays after school. We will get in there after school until about 4.40 in the afternoon. Just get in there and get some timing down and conditioning down and technique down and, and just wrestle and, uh, and, and get better and I don't feel like we even have to get back into shape because we kind of stayed in shape, stayed in shape all spring, all summer, and 
the kids, the commitment to, from these kids has been phenomenal. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we are in the weight room and we are working really hard. We have a, a really diverse amount of, of workouts we're doing. I actually just got contacted today by an alum who is a, a strength and conditioning coach and wants to come and help us out for free and just volunteer his time for us. So oh, I'm going to awesome. start working with him. And uh, Again, the alumni coming through. Love it. I love it. It's a great way to measure, right? Absolutely. Our impact absolutely. And, and, yeah, absolutely. and our predecessor's impact. So Mondays and Wednesdays, we're wrestling. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we are lifting. Fridays, we are taking off. Sundays, starting on September 15th, the, every Sunday for about five weeks, there will be a tournament, a folk-style fall tournament, where our wrestlers can go and get experience. We don't care about wins or losses here. I mean, it's nice to get a win. I'm not going to lie and figure out how to get a win. Um, I mean, why else are you in sport, right? That's the definition of sport almost to, to, to get a win over someone else. Well, it, well, it's that measure of growth. And I think especially when you're, it's, um, there are low stakes involved as far as it not being during the season and those team scores mattering. It's a great opportunity to go on the mat and test yourself and see where you need to go. Cause those kids that are wrestling during this time of year tend to be the best of the best. So I agree. Go figure out where you are and figure out what you need to do to match up to those kids. It's just a great opportunity on those Sundays to go out there and measure yourself and see where you're at. And, um, especially against some of the better kids in the area and, uh, start getting in shape and getting your timing down and wrestling other kids outside of your own, room and that's out of your own program so i highly encourage every single person to go they're really cheap you uh show up you get some matches and you go home and usually in time to watch some football for the in the afternoon so the first one september uh, 15th at mcclatchy high school a week later it's at rio linda they're all local sierra college has one the thomas has one castle rubble has one they're all really close yeah i know i've never heard of them (laughs) so Monday, Wednesdays, wrestling, Tuesday, Thursday, lifting, and then Sunday tournaments for the kids who can make it. And if you can't make it, it's 100% okay. We also have a really strong group of kids participating in fall sports. So just today, I asked uh, Bruce Marlott, how many miles did you run? Every time I see him, how many miles did you run yesterday? He's like, we only ran eight miles yesterday. It's funny. I see those guys out running their cross-country workouts when I'm out riding. And uh-huh. They barely recognize me, but I always get the, the yell out to, hey, Coach Smith. But it's so fun to see them out there working cool. out, and they have a great program going there. Cool. And we have uh, kids in water polo, and we also have a lot of uh, wrestlers playing football. And everybody else is out there uh, training with us in the preseason training. The first day of practice, we had 20 kids. Yesterday, we had 28 kids. That's excellent. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. And you count all those kids out doing another sport, and that's yeah. all about like just becoming better people, I love better it. athletes, it's growing, fun. and I'm that's what you know. High school, middle school, all about is like kind of finding those things and growing as a person. That's awesome. We have a lot of freshmen coming in; just they're committing to everything. And and the last thing I want to say, uh, another program update. Last last part of it is Toby Harris is officially on as an assistant varsity coach. Toby, every person. In the varsity level, uh, in the coaching staff, they know Toby very well because he's been working with these kids, with this group of juniors since, I want to say, they were in early elementary school. Yeah, he's he's been working with them for a long time. He was their personal coach, and he followed them throughout all the years and even through middle school. Once they reached high school, he kind of took a step back and let the coaches coach, and he was more of a dad. But 
you probably notice him in the chairs a lot just because he's been there forever. He has a ton of experience coaching varsity wrestling. His dad coached varsity wrestling for a long time, and uh, I could not be happier to have such an experienced, awesome person helping helping me out this year. And honestly, um, we have a first varsity and second varsity switching it up a little bit this year, and he will be with his son every single tournament. You know, obviously. So yeah, no, that that's a great get. He uh, Toby worked with us a lot while Danny was at Carnegie, and he was. I had a blast coaching with him. Um, I can't even tell you how many times I turned to him during matches. Goes, what should we do here? Just to get his you know input mm-hmm. on that, and he's always just calm, sound advice, mm-hmm. knows what to do. He's he's great with the kids. Uh, he you will have um, um, just a great time as a coach working with him, and the kids will benefit a ton from him being with you in the room and with you on the weekend. And he's just a good person. Absolutely. He's just a good person. Right. That's, just that's a the most guy. important thing, right? Yeah. That's number one on the yeah. hiring list is he's just to a, get a good person. He's just a good guy. And yeah. no, it's funny real quick, Dana, last, last year in the playoffs, I was sitting with him in the stands talking about uh, what I'm going to talk about today. We were talking about using a mental rehearsal and he had actually done that a lot of times with his athletes in the past. And we were, we spent all day talking about it. It was really cool. So yeah, he, uh, he knows a lot of the mental training as well. So it's really cool. He's a positive guy, a great guy. So yeah, that, that will be really, really good addition to, to what you're doing. That's again, another great thing to, to add to the program. Not that we're really adding him cause he's always been there he's and been, there. He's been available to us, but having him more in that kind of official capacity will, yeah. will be a great thing. It's all you now, Dana. All right. What's going on with Carnegie? Um, well, Really just kind of doing some planning as we get into the year. First thing is, and we did this a couple years ago, your uh, your juniors, seniors will remember this. We're going to hook up with pin cancer again. Um, but this time, instead of it just being Carnegie, we're going to get BB and Carnegie involved and compete against each other a little bit with some fundraising. And that, that fundraising goes towards St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and Child Brain Cancer Research. We'll, we'll register the team in October, and then when the season gets going, we'll, we'll bring in some computers and get the kids all signed up. It is a great cause. It's um, a great way to get our kids to you know, show gratitude towards the community and, and give back a little bit. And I was just absolutely amazed with our results last time. I think we were the number three team in the country wow. in fundraising. Yeah, Amazing. We, it was awesome, and it just really brought us together in, in something besides wrestling and in our parent community and well, it helps the kids see the bigger picture of things. You know, we're not just here to win, right? Or at at all costs, right? There's there's, there's making a difference in life too, and giving back to others. Yeah, and you're using sport as a tool to teach life lessons. And uh, if you guys haven't known, but Coach Smith and I, we've both been affected by cancer tremendously, and I'm sure so many of you guys and girls listening to this have been personally affected by cancer. And or will be, um, and, you know. I think that was it, it was really something I, I wanted to do as kind of a way to honor my mom and through what I was doing and what you know she loved sports when I was growing up and and that kind of inspired it. But what I didn't expect was how many people came to me and how many donations were made and saying, "Hey, this is in the name of my grandma or my aunt or my brother or sister." And just it's it snowballed and it was this great great thing that we did and and it felt good at the end and it wasn't about like trying to get any publicity or anything it was just like we did this great thing and and made a difference in in the world through our wrestling you know we we did it through this sport so it was absolutely fantastic so i'm super excited um like you said both of us have been impacted by by cancer and i don't think there's 
anybody walking around out there that hasn't been in some way. So I'll just put it out there that, you know, cancer sucks big time. <laughs> I used a different word to describe I, yes, cancer you did. So on I, my notes. I, I, I put I it in junior it. high terms for you. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So we're excited about that. And, and I mentioned it to Garrett and he was all on board right away. Like, yeah, let's do it. So we're excited about that. If you think uh, about the, the strides they're making in cancer research and technology just ever since recent stuff I got, I've gone through. And if we can even make a dent in helping that at all and possibly helping kids in the future, oh, my gosh. I mean, just what a great, yeah. great cause we will wrestling. I mean, that's it, so cool. It all makes a difference, and, yeah. and, and we'll help make that difference too. We have um, Carnegie PTSA. I approached them last year about um, co-sponsoring through our athletics funds to – doing some work with Positive Coaching Alliance. So we have, on October 17th, we have a second goal parent workshop coming up. Um, you may know the guy who's going to run that workshop. His name is Dana Smith. Um, <laughs> he's so-so. I tried to get somebody better, but he was available. Um, so I, I'm doing some workshops for Positive Coaching Alliance, and it's been absolutely a great experience, and their stuff is absolutely amazing. So we're going um, we're inviting all parents of athletes at Carnegie to come, we got a hundred spots. So I would really, really like as many of our wrestling parents to be there as possible. So if you just shoot me an email saying that you can be there on October seventeenth from six to eight, uh, I would love to have you there. We have some great stuff to offer. Is this at Carnegie? It's going to be at Carnegie in our MP room. Uh, so it, it's really good stuff, and I, I, you know, I'm not going to put anything out there that isn't, isn't worth people's time. So it's a great way to get parents to understand how we're going to focus on life lessons, and that's where they can best support our coaching staff and any other coach that our kids are ever working with. We'll also get some of our wrestlers involved with a triple impact competitor workshop from PCA. I have uh, one of my buddies that's also a a trainer with PCA. He's amazing. He's going to do that one. So it'll be Carnegie athletes, but it will also be athletes from the other seven middle schools in San Juan as well. I've invited them to send five athletes from each of their schools. So we can kind of, yeah, get that environment going throughout and I've invited some stakeholders from the community, like Fair Oaks Lacrosse, is sending somebody, and I've invited people from Fair Oaks awesome. Little League. And, I love and that camaraderie that you guys are building, yeah. building with well, each other. That's beautiful. And I think it's just building. You know, if we're going to try to change that culture of youth sports in our community, then we need to get as many people involved as possible, especially the parents. San Juan Unified has been super supportive Good. of training our coaches with PCA stuff. Good. So. I'm really excited to have those two things going on, and we'll get some wrestlers involved with that awesome. triple impact competitor. And the last thing, really quick, we did this last year. I have a book called The Young Champion's Mind by Jim Aframal. He's absolutely amazing. He's given me feedback um, through Twitter. He's just absolutely a great sports psychologist and, and one of the best sports psychology minds in the country. Uh, I have his book that is written for junior high, high school athletes, so come check those out for me. And give that a read. I think it'll give you a really good preparation as we go into the season and the things that we try to work on um, through that mental training and sports psychology. So lots, obviously, um, hearing from Coach Lane and what we're doing at Carnegie, which is really kind of the same stuff because we're attached. But some great stuff going on. It's exciting to think about the season that's coming up for the program as a whole. It's coming up soon. Winter is coming. Right. So, yes, winter is coming for sure. Watch out for that icy dragon. Um, <laughs> all right. So some great stuff coming up, please parents, if you can get involved with that workshop that I think will be great as we move into the season and we're all kind of on the same page of what we're trying to do. And, uh, it's, it's a good workshop. It's been fun to do that with some parents at some other schools and some other programs. All right. So that's it on the updates. I said done. 
Okay, on to, I think, what is my favorite part of the podcast, when we talk about the mental side and how we're working through like sports psychology and positive psychology to mm-hmm. help our athletes perform better, which we know that's what the research shows, that through this, this positive psychology uh, format that we can help them perform better. So, Coach Lane, I know you're going to attack one of those areas that research shows is super powerful in, in improving performance. You're going to talk about uh, mental rehearsal. Uh, as you were speaking, it reminded me that every, almost every coach I've ever had in my life was like wrestling is 90% mental. It's 90% mental. And that's where they stopped. They did not go into any sort of detail about what that mental process is. A couple of them did, honestly, and um, through their actions and through modeling and stuff. But they weren't able to really describe it in specific details. And um, we have kind of taken it to that next level, I feel like. And we can describe what those are. And one thing that we are doing at Bella Vista, and I know Carnegie is doing this as well, is we're using a mental rehearsal a pre-competition mental rehearsal where we even plan for adversity out of every tournament I've ever been to or any competition I've ever been to for me personally in any sport I've ever participated in or ever coached in nothing has ever ever gone to script or gone to plan so we need to prepare for that kind of like life yeah so things don't go perfect we can plan for that adversity and then we can have a trained response to that adversity ahead of time and usually what i like to do the the day before a competition coach lee and i would do this we would bounce back and forth and um we would start out as the the team overall and just from the mental side of all this it the more personalized this is the better it gets but it's really tough when you have you know 30 40 50 kids on your team to do this for every single person individually but we use a mental rehearsal the day before where we describe the day that the kids are going to go through the very next day. So if it's a dual meet, I, I talk to them about waking up in the morning, setting their alarm, focusing on their senses, eating breakfast, getting dressed, going to school, focusing on their classes and segmenting their day and really just being in the moment and not stressing about something that's going to happen later in the day because there's literally nothing they can do about preparing for their wrestling match later in the day let's be in math class let's be in english let's be in history let's be in pe just being in the moment throughout the day and we give them a lot of skills to do that and we actually describe in detail using the senses what they're going to go through throughout the day and then when we get to competition we go through the warm-up the weigh-ins everything and we get to their match and i i truly believe in using the senses to their full advantage to talk about the smells when you walk into a gym, what that gym smells like, the bright lights, what it looks like, what it's going to be like. And I, th- I think that's super crucial. I think a lot of times when we think about mental rehearsal or visualization, it's visual. It's what does it look like through my camera or mm-hmm. is that up above or is it through my eyes? And I think those other senses have to be involved too, to really put you through the experience for sure. Yeah. And, um, Honestly, and then I, I talked to the whole team, every single single person about uh, warming up, getting ready for their match, and then they have their first match, they warm up, and they have a sweat going, they go and check into the table, they walk out to the, the center of the mat, they put that ankle band on, and I just get as detailed and as personal as possible, and I even talk about that smell and, and putting their hands on their opponent and hearing the whistle blow, and as I'm saying this, I'm, I'm almost like wrestling a match in my mind right now, and from all the, the the 
the studies and from everything we understand from neuroscience, neuroscience um, that describes the interplay between artificial simulation, which is a mental rehearsal, and an actual live experience. Every single piece of evidence shows that the brain actually has no way of differentiating, differentiating, sorry, <laughs> between the two. So to my brain and its control of my systems, there's no distinction between me taking a visual rep where I envision myself shooting a free throw versus actually physically completing the task. That doesn't mean that you skip practice and you just watch yourself shooting high crotches or shooting fireman's carries all day in your mind, but your brain can literally not tell the difference. But to extend on that, what it does mean is that those times when I'm injured and I can't get out there and shoot those free throws or do those high crotches, that that mental rehearsal is replacing my practice when I can't physically get out there. Because like you said, your body doesn't know the difference. It doesn't build the muscle, but it builds that muscle memory. Yeah. through that mental rehearsal. So that's that's great stuff. Yeah, and that's exactly where it is. And just using the mental approach to sport to your advantage and actually having a trained response to these rehearsals. So throughout the season, I'll usually use a mental rehearsal at the end of practice, the day before a competition, whether it's a dual meet or a tournament. Um, I'll usually turn off the lights, all the wrestlers lie down, close their eyes, and listen to my voice. I get extremely specific about the smells, feelings, sights, etc., and I start my uh, my mental rehearsal. Um, and it's really important when we do these mental rehearsals that we plan for adversity uh, because the ideal situation is an illusion. It's a true illusion. It, it's it's fake. It's fake news, basically, right? <laughs> um, there's fake never news. been a sporting situation, like I said earlier, that has been ideal, uh, which means we prepare for reality. We have a prepare. We've had to prepare to respond to reality with a proper trained response, with positive self talk. But Posi- I, I think that's huge. what you just said about that being prepared. It's preparing for any moment. So mm-hmm. when the moment happens, maybe it's not exactly what we talked about preparing for, but it's close, and that we're not winging it. If no. something turns and it's not going perfectly, we're not winging it in that moment. We've rehearsed, rehearsed it mentally. We've talked about it. We have a plan, and we know how to react in that moment instead of winging it because that second you think about winging it, it's too late. Yeah, and if you have a, a prepared, trained response to the, to any sort of adversity at all, oh, it's okay. I've already been That's here. it, to adversity. Yes. It doesn't matter the specifics of the adversity. It's adversity. Yeah. And how do we respond to that in that moment? And honestly, I, I'm think about this skill – for the rest of each of our athletes' lives, I mean, any they get fired or they don't do well on a test or they have a, a tough go in a relationship or anything go anything in their life at all. Or like some other teachers, not you and I, of yeah. course, but yeah. some other teachers where we think we have the perfect lesson plan, it goes wrong in the middle of it. Yeah. Are we ready for that or not? Like, yeah. Again, not talking about us, other teachers. Like, yeah. like you know, Mike Lee perfect. or something. Yeah. Somebody Mike else, not us. Um, so basically, using... Having planning for adversity, have a trained response, and when you have a trained response, you have positive self-talk, you have positive reframes with relevant information. Um, we prepare and anticipate a situation, and we train for it. So basically, um, the whole entire goal is to have a proper trained response to any sort of adversity at all. 
So when you get there, what what happens with athletes is, or us, or any human being at all, if something goes wrong, so if you're in football and you have a turnover, you have a bad play, or you drop a catch, all your brain does is it starts focusing on the negative. Negative, 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 negative. And what we can do is um, we can stop. We can use a keyword to tell ourselves to stop. And the more personalized it is, the better. To stop, shelf that tr- that that thought. That's fake. That's in the past. I cannot change the past. I literally cannot change the past. That, but that's the thing. It's 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 back to the control, the controllable. I'm not control yep. controlling what just happened. So how am I going to react and get onto that most important part of my match, which is the next move? Yes. The last one didn't mean anything. One hundred percent. A minute down the road doesn't mean anything. But how do I react now? Get rid of that and. I think people misunderstand the idea of positive self-talk, like it's fluff and it's like almost lying to yourself, but that's not it. It's about like, I got this. What's next? Not, not getting down on yourself, but talking about like, I'm prepared for this. Let's get on to the next thing. And if I'm, if I'm shooting two free throws and the first free throw I missed, there's literally nothing I can do about that. But what happens to a lot of athletes is they tend to follow those thoughts and they dwell in the past and then they start thinking negatively about, about, about the situation, and they're going to miss the next one. And using a cue word, that's the more personalized it is, the better. And it gets them to stop, calm down, shelf that past, which makes them realize, like, I can literally do nothing to change that past. Let me go through my rhythms again, go through my normal rehearsal again, and let me try again. Right. And doing that for each of our athletes, for any sort of adversity, whether it's, um, I thought I was going to be up in two matches and there was a, you know, and I had 15 minutes to prepare and all of a sudden there's pin pin and I'm up now. Okay. Now I'm ready for that. Or right. the ref makes a bad call. You, or, you don't control that. Any yeah. of that. You control your reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, one of my, one of my favorite thoughts that I have is that adversity all it is, adversity is, is training to become more resilient. So how we respond is is most important. We can't control what other things are going to happen, but we can control our response to those situations, whether it's in sport or whether it's in life. So we see adversity as a challenge and an opportunity to become more resilient, which tra- transfers into a habit for the rest of our lives, right? We Instead of being negative about the situation towards ourselves, it's an opportunity to be more consistent and challenge ourselves to, uh, it's an opportunity to be more resilient. And we're using sport as a tool as coaches. We're using sport as a tool to instill, instill these positive lifelong skills. So we're reframing our athletes' minds. There's a challenge. There's a bad situation. I get taken down right off the bat against someone I wasn't supposed to be. It's an opportunity. Okay, this is adversity. This is an opportunity for me to show how resilient I actually am. You know, I don't think we can emphasize enough how how we view the wrestling room is just another classroom. The football field is mm-hmm. another classroom. The basketball, it's we're still teaching, and I think almost more teaching these valuable life lessons that carry over to the math test and the history test and that boss that yells at me and how do I bounce back from I can't control his attitude towards me, but I can control how I respond to it and how mm-hmm. I make things better. And the last part I want to say here is just the more personalized, the better. But I, I use keywords, test keywords to get the kids back to the moment and get them to 
we use one word that use it that describes the whole entire situation. I can't change the past. I need to shelf the past. I'll deal with the past later. But the reality is right now, this is what's happening this exact specific moment. I'm in this position. And all of that that you're doing with the mental rehearsal built right off of what we're doing at the middle school level, which is almost more of like a, a mad lib of mental rehearsal where I've written out a script, those move parts that they like to do, their their game plan, basically they can plug into it. But it's built off of our um, our outdoor match and walking down the stage and they can take and they we ask them to do it right before every match of the tournament and before the dual meet so it works uh, i love that with what you're doing i love that them having a, a go-to move what something they're look they're looking for right instead of just going out there blind and just waiting for something to happen they actually are taking action and they know what they're going to do and that's a lot of the the mental rehearsals is you know we, we prepare for hours before comp- the, the competition but then we prepare for the actual match in the competition and we plan for adversity and the kids know what they're going to do in that exact moment right when they're they're getting in there and and what i love the most overall thing and i'll finish with this is that when they get to the match their first match of the, of the tournament which i'm always most nervous about the first match um and i think kids probably are too but guess what when we do the mental rehearsal in their minds and their brains they're, they've already they've already been there. Right. That first match is over with already. It's already they, over they, with. They did it. Before the second match is already over with. Right. The third match is already over with. They already they already they've already visualized themselves going through all the processes, and they do not care who they're wrestling because they're the same regardless. And if there's any sort of there's a bad call from the ref, they have a trained response to it, and we're prepared for it. And we've already dealt with it. We've already individualized every person's specific response to that adversity. And they're ready for it, so right. it's not a it's not a it's not a big deal. Okay, yeah. let's go forward. Right, that's the past. Let's go forward. Let's go now. And, and, and it all fits into the physical part of our program that we have reactions to what you're going to do. We control our part of the wrestling. Yeah. You, you pick what you want to do, and we have a reaction to it. So it, it all it all ties in together. And, and and I think it all ties into what we're focusing on too at the middle school program. Or and I do this in my classroom too. Of we're going to focus on mastery. Mm-hmm. We're going to there's kind of two approaches to things in life, and especially sport. We have an ego oriented focus on what we're doing, where it's all based on the scoreboard. Did we win or lose? We're comparing ourselves to other people. Or task oriented. Right, right. Or task oriented, which is what we're going to focus on. Because yeah. that that ego focus of it's all about results. It really ends up being um, you build athletes that don't have resiliency and they don't have mm-hmm. grit because you either win or lose. You, there's it's not about bouncing back. It's and like you turn into winning at all costs. So absolutely, and what, what we happens call a whack is, coach. Yeah, and then if you have coaches who are all about the outcome, then the athletes go out there and they're wrestling. So they're in a way where they're trying not to get yelled at by the parents, or they're not trying to get yelled at by their coach, right. or they're 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 wrestling because of those extrinsic external factors instead of wrestling for themselves. Absolutely. And, and they, they, they lack resiliency. They lack optimism. They, they lack do- team cohesion because it, it creates a situation where you have to compete against your teammates for spots. It's not about yeah. working together as a team. It's about me putting results up on the board, and it takes away that from that team well, cohesion. Well, they lack that, that intrinsic motivation right? because they're doing it for someone else instead of doing it for themselves. Right. And, and within anything in life, I mean, all the science shows that when people are motivated and they want to do something for themselves because they made the decision, they are so much more motivated. Right. 
So what we're going to do to do that is to keep the motivation kind of in their control and what they're doing. We're going to focus on effort being our measure of success. Did I give my best effort what I had on that particular day? And it's, it's important to understand that that level is not the same every day. Right. I, I don't feel well. I have a cold. I'm, I'm coming down with the flu. My girlfriend just broke up with me. My parents wouldn't take me to Dutch Bros in the morning. My effort, my level I can give is different every day. But no matter what it is, I'm going to give that top level of effort that I have that day. And as we do that and focus on that, that, that mastery of the task at hand, whatever part we may be in practice that we're just focused on mastering that, we're more persistent. We have more grit. Um, the team cohesion is better because we're working to improve together and problem solve together. So we're all getting better at the same time to improve the team. Elite athletes that are task focused, they, they credit their success to being mastery focused, that it wasn't about winning, losing or medals. It was about, I'm going to master this task at hand. And when we do that, the performance takes care of itself, right? Mm-hmm. Control my effort, what I'm learning, how I'm responding to you, mistakes. You control what others cannot control, right? Right. So you control everything else that other people cannot control. What you can do. And I just to interrupt you real quick, but uh, you know, one of those things I talk about is the commitment. Commitment to getting every single rep done regardless of anything else that's happening. And Which goes right back to effort. I'm committed yeah. to whatever my level of effort I, is I have I right like, now. That's what I'm going to get. And I feel like that's one way to measure your, your effort and uh, I just want to give a shout out to every person that was at the workout yesterday and uh, we had a handful of kids show up late and uh, Carson Lee, I want to give a sh- huge shout out to Carson. He knew he was going to be late because of his ride. So he rode his bike to practice instead. He showed up late. They had a run already done. He went and did the whole entire run and I switched up the workout yesterday and instead of doing 15 minute stations, I, I had, uh, Depending on the station, I had either four sets of 10 or five sets of 10. And I challenge every person to commit to every single rep and do not move to the next station until you finish every single rep. And honestly, we had 28 kids there yesterday, and every single person got every single rep in. And when practice was over, there was actually a handful of kids who asked me, they said, Coach, can we keep going? And it was a brutal workout. It was in their dead. And I talked to every kid today, and they were all so sore. But, um, it was exciting to see those kids commit their commitment levels, which is the effort, what you're talking right. about. I mean, that's one way you can measure the effort. Did you did you hit every rep? Could you have done one more? Why did you quit early? And, but, and, and yesterday they did everything. I was so happy yesterday. Right. I'm and, happy and, now. And they're more likely to go back and make sure they do that when it's about them, not yeah. about I'm going to do this because I don't want the coach to yell at me. That doesn't 100%. It doesn't work. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't get the performance out of them. And it doesn't because – if you're working to not get yelled at or not get punished, you will you will never stretch yourself. You'll mm-hmm. never work to the point of, oh, man, I might make a mistake and get yelled at. But if I'm not going to get yelled at for a mistake, then I'll try stuff that I'm, I'm not good at already, knowing that I'm not going to get yelled at. That anxiety goes down, and then your self-confidence goes up, or you can perform better as you go through that time. I so, love when I see a wrestler uh, try something new. I, I, I get excited about that, you know, within reason, you know. But, but that's um, the point where they walk off that mat, even if they lost that match, and go, you know what? I love that you tried that move that we've been working on. Yeah. So you didn't hit it. So what? We'll hit Let's it the next time. Go back to practice right. and we'll try it again. And then they'll try it again yeah, and try it again. And it. then a month down the road, they're that much better yeah. because they've stretched themselves and they weren't afraid about, I'm going to get yelled at or, or. And then you can make, measure that too. It's like, okay, you tried it in a match. That's a huge 
progress in, in your development as a wrestler or an athlete or an individual. And we'll go back to the practice room and it, you failed. It's Let's feedback. go back to the pra- practice room. It's all room feedback. But guess what? Those are the skills that our wrestlers are going to have with them for the rest of their lives, right? I went and tried, I applied to this job. I didn't get this job. You know what? Let me go back to the practice room and build up my resume again and try again. And I'll try and I'll apply to another job. Right. And I won't ever give up that grit, that resiliency. Or you even get that feedback from the person that interviewed you or you send that email. You know, I was really excited to interview with you. I think you have a great company. Can you give me some feedback on what I could do better so I can yeah. work on those in the future? And, and not only will that person think more of you, that you want to learn, yeah. you're teachable, you are taking that on to make yourself better and not just sitting there wallowing in the fact that I didn't get the job. Right? Dana, the I think scoreboard result of getting the job. I think we just opened up the Pandora's box about uh, maybe next podcast we could we could talk about growth mindset. Absolutely. Because this is where I want to go and that that uh, is I'm really passionate about right. a growth mindset as a as a parent, as a as a teacher and as a coach and even for myself I have a growth mindset and absolutely um, the the uh, is it Carol Carol Dweck from Stanford, she's the one that created the growth mindset, right? right. Yeah. And um, it's she's just, um, she's a huge part of, of Positive Coaching Alliance. And oh she's one of good. the national advisory it numbers. Is, I mean, she's fantastic. So that's, that's where I'm going. Right. So, the, and that will, uh, let me finish up with I this. I want you to finish with that, the Elm it, stuff. Yeah. Elm I'm, I'm going to finish up with that. Cause it actually is all totally based on growth mindset stuff. And uh-huh. what, and what Dweck says, which Elm stands for effort, learning and mistakes, meaning E L M. Right. I always give my best effort, no matter what that level is. Um, I have a coachable spirit and that's super important that we're, we're willing to learn, um, no matter what happens, we're gonna we're gonna seek out more knowledge, and we're gonna we're gonna focus on how we can get better as an individual. Not how can I win, but how can I get better as an individual? And that's where our our saying at the end of every practice, we ask three people on the mm-hmm. team, "How did you get better today?" Because yeah, that's what it's that. all about. On the positive, and I don't care how small it is; it doesn't have to relate to wrestling. It just has to be. You know what? I had a bad day in class day, but yet I got in the room and I worked as hard as I could. Then you got better that day. Oh my gosh! And then lastly, how do we bounce back from mistakes? How do we get past that? Like you how said, you respond to and it. how do we respond to mistakes? Cause yeah. everybody's going to make mistakes and they're okay. And I would honestly argue that they're essential mistakes oh, are essential you to your growth as a wrestler. You have to fail. As you a have person. to lose. As long as you look at them and say, this is a teachable moment for yeah. me. What did, what, how did that mistake happen? What do I need to work on to make sure that mistake doesn't happen again and bounce back from it? And it goes back to what you're talking about, like task cues and even a mistake ritual where you go through an actual physical response to a mistake. And that's the necessary part of it, that it's physical, like brush it off yeah. or flush it, you missed that whatever free, it might be. You miss. you have two free throws. You missed that first free throw. Right. Okay. You, you still have another. Yeah. That's, 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 that's and that, that comes from uh, some great sports psychology stuff and Cal State Fullerton baseball team and. They were, I think, at 500 record and and not doing well and started that mistake ritual of flushing it. And if you go back and look at those interviews at the College World Series, they say it all the time. We didn't have a great outing yesterday. Well, I just have to flush it and get ready to go with tomorrow. And they had a little toy piggy bank toilet thing in their dugout. Yeah. That if they would strike out, they'd go in and flush it. But it's – Baseball players are some of the best athletes actually because they have so much practice on a a daily basis. At being unsuccessful. (laughs) Yeah, and they just you're get a 300 up. hitter. You're you're um, a master. What's that guy? And this is literally off the top of my head, but I think his name's like something Longoria from the Yankees. Eva or I don't know, but um, you know, plays for the Giants. Giant third baseman. Yeah, yeah, I suck. But no, but early in his <laughs> early in his career, I was talking. He about, played for the the um, 
Marlins or anything. Oh, Marlins, yeah, that's what it was. Stuff, yeah. But uh, I remember reading a story about him where for him what he did, he looked at the foul post pull. Right. Because every field has one in the right. majors. And after every swing that he took, he looked up there, and that was his reminder to flush the pass. Right. Get in the moment and the next next, next bat up and go back to his rehearsal right. and his nor- his routines and to be in the moment and literally forget about the past. And later on that night, the next day, he would maybe watch film or something about something. But uh, at that moment, he's he's already over it. He's not let, having back to mindfulness. Thoughts. Be yeah. in the moment. Yeah, be in the moment. That's another thing I use in my classroom. And 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 actually, Dana. Before we started the podcast today, we were talking about how he was using mindfulness in his classroom. I was talking about how I also use mindfulness in my classroom, and uh, that could be a whole other subject. Right. Night, and we could go off forever. So, well, that's and that's the great thing about the the mental side portion here. So we have so much that we can go into and talk about mistake rituals and task cues and mindfulness, and it's, we have a lot of stuff. So, um, let's go on to the next segment. Oh, are you ready? All right. Well, I have five questions well, for you. I have to go prepare. I'm, or I, I'm going to go study up. We'll be right back. All right. Time for, I don't know, somebody's favorite part the of the program. The five-point move. The five-point move. I will be the victim. I mean, answer, interviewee, whatever. All right. How about it? I just wanted to uh, give a huge shout out to my wife who she showed up and she's, I'm staring at her. And ever since she showed up towards the end of the last segment, I've just been so much more relaxed and calm and happy. I don't know. It just makes me, she's such a positive influence. Uh, You're not making me feel any better here. Get on with it. All right. I'm ready. So I'm so much happier right now. So, all right. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask, it's the truth. I'm going to ask Dana five questions. Do you know any of the questions I'm about to ask you? I tried to look at them, but I can't. I don't know. I have see my hands far. blocking them. He has no clue. Okay, so bring it on. Question one: Rapid fire. I copied this one from you. Who's your hero? Oh God. Um, and why? I, I would have to say my mom. Oh, um, I love that. Well, obviously my father too. My parents there. Um, I get my work ethic from my parents. It's about like you're committed to people. You take on a job. Um, my mom was super hardworking and, um, just an amazing person. And when she went through her, her battle with cancer, it was, they, when she was diagnosed, one thing she said was like, this wasn't the way I wanted to go out. And of course nobody does. Right. No. And they, they said, you've got five months and she went two years oh. and it was all about, it had nothing to do with her. It had to do with her family and her kids. And really, um, my niece, Brenna, who, she wanted to see grow up as much as possible, and, mm-hmm. and she just she fought her butt off, and, and she was absolutely amazing. And my dad, um, my, I tell the story a lot to kids who want to quit, quit wrestling. My, my sophomore year, I did not like my coach at all, and he, like, one practice said, if, hey, if you guys just want to be friend, why don't you leave? And I was in a really good program at Bella Vista, and, and our JV room was amazing, and, and he just was not a good person, Aww. and I wanted to quit. And I was really more, you know, like football and baseball were my focus. Mm-hmm. Wrestling was kind of my mm-hmm. thing I did in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went home to my dad and I said, hey, I want to quit. I don't want to do this anymore. And he goes, well, you know, you can make your own decision. But let me tell you this. You made a commitment to a team mm-hmm. and your friends. 
and you should finish off that commitment. And I never thought about it again. I finished that year out. And then my junior, senior year, I focused on, I really wanted, I, baseball was my thing. And I wanted that off season to get ready for baseball. So um, that was fine. And, but I always think back to that. And I know if I would not have stayed with it, I would regret it. Right I literally now. wouldn't be sitting here talking to you about sports. Right. So stuff. my parents just gave me absolutely amazing lessons in life. And they are, they are absolutely uh, my heroes. And, and I just, hope and think that they look down and they're proud. That's awesome. <laughs> I think there's someone cutting onions in this room right now. <laughs> it's probably on. Shelby. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's very cool. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that and getting so honest. Um, if you don't mind me asking how, how many or what year was it that your mom passed? Oh man. Um, I was, it's been 17 years. I think it was 35. My mom passed away. Um, oh, yeah. Geez. And, uh, it, the funny thing is that the year that she was diagnosed was so two ish. Mike Lee had talked me no two thousand because and oh, okay. I only remember that because that's the first year that I coached wrestling, and it was with Mike Lee because he had finally talked me into doing oh. it. And in between me saying yes to him, um, and him asking, my mom was diagnosed, and <sighs> I ended up going to Mike and saying, "Hey, I want to do this, but I can't commit to full time. I need to be able to leave when I need to leave." And and Mike said, "Then we'll do it together." And and a bad situation turned into a good one and that I learned what I know about coaching from Mike Lee and, and it got me off on the right foot and, and made it so it was something wow. that I just love. Thank and, you, Dana. And, appreciate and, it. Blow it up. I appreciate doing so. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. All right. Let's, let's uh, have a task queue. That's in the past. That conversation was in the past. Yeah. Now we're going to go to the next one. Right. So um, <laughs> I don't mean to go from heavy no, to, well, I'm good. to I'm light. Good. I can transition well. Okay. I'm a middle school teacher. So... Uh, number two, what are the best wings that you've ever had? Where and what flavor? Well, unfortunately, they don't exist anymore. Oh, but the bummer. old um, Pyramid Brewing Company that was downtown. Oh, yeah, that was especially when they first. Is that opened. on J Street? Yes. Yeah, and they used a panko crust. Oh, and tossed them in this wonderful buffalo sauce, and they were by far the best wings I've ever had in my life. They were amazing. We, and then a bunch of wusses talked him into having the sauce on the side, and it kind of ruined it. They were still really good. But we actually had amazing. some good wings a couple months ago at the uh, Top Golf. Yeah. You got, you got the mango habanero I know. Ones. I told you. They were pretty good. Yeah, those are actually I, really I like delicious. to consider myself a wing aficionado. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm... Uh, my wife doesn't let me order wings at restaurants because I'm always so disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. <laughs> Unless to they're delicious, then I'm like just blown so away. I'll, I'll mound down. I don't yeah. care. Okay, so the next one, question number three. This is kind of a two-part question, so choose to answer however you want to answer. Oh, let me go through. What's the best book that you've ever read? And if it's not your favorite book, then what's your favorite book? So you can have like a the best book, the most impactful book, and then you can also have a favorite. If they're the same then they're the same if not so answer it however you choose best book alright oh well, that's I mean this is assuming that you know how to read well small words yeah which, pictures short picture phrases book. which is probably what Coloring I, I like Hemingway I'm a, I'm a big Hemingway oh, fan oh cool um, I just I love the pictures that Hemingway can paint in your mind and I had I, I kind of fell in love with Hemingway's writing when I was in high school my sophomore year I had to do a book report and I put it off until the last two nights and I read For Whom the Bell Tolls in two nights. Wow. And I don't read like that. Um, <laughs> but it was just, I got sucked into it. Uh-huh. It started out having to read it and I got sucked into it. So kind of anything Hemingway, awesome. I, I'm super happy with, but that was that was kind of my first thing. Look at uh, this guy with like the literature stuff. 
I got a lot of stuff going on. That's I'm, you're freaking amazing. I got a lot of depth. You're freaking stud. Give me knuckles again. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. All right. Now this question. Just let me read the whole question before you answer. If you had one minute, why are you still hiding the question? It's pretty much too late for that now. Yes. If you, if if you right now, if you had one minute to go back in time and talk to a teenage version of Dana, Dana Smith, of you, what advice would you give yourself? And just so you know, here's the rules. Teenage version of Dana. Now knows, we have rules. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like your teenage yeah. version of yourself, you know that you are talking to your future self and you don't have to spend one second describing, hey, I'm yourself from the future, right? He knows. And so what advice would you give yourself? You're, you're maybe a teenage, any teenage year, 17, high school, middle school age what advice would you give yourself and you have one minute just to tell yourself something in life what would you what would you say you're smarter than you think you are i love that um that and that thought comes out of our master's program um i always kind of had this like back in my mind belief that i was a better student that i gave myself credit for and being in that program and being challenged by somebody who's one of the smartest people you'll ever meet in your life and pushed you and pushed you and pushed you um just Believe in yourself. You're smarter than you think you are, and and put it out there. I love that. And I feel like um, probably. Unfortunately, you get that thought, you know, when you're 50 and yeah. not 15. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> just so every listener out there, I remember when I was in middle school and high school, I didn't think I was a good student. I didn't think I was like a smart person with school. I was like, oh, I'm not school smart. I'm just smart other places. And um, except I had a couple of classes and a couple of teachers. Right, like in a lot of previous podcasts, and I had those teachers, and I had those experiences, and I did well in them. But I just that, like, finally, the point where you said, "You know what? You're you got this, and you're pretty good at this." Yeah, came in that master's program for sure. That's amazing. Okay, very last question. Another heavy question. I only had one fun one this time. (laughs) Why are you a coach? Um. Wow, that's like a Joe Ehrman question. Yeah, no, that's um. And I just threw it right at your face right now. There, there's a, there's a lot of reasons, really. Uh-huh. But I think um, what it really truly came down to is I had some amazing coaches growing up. Love I really that. did, like Coach Fletcher and Coach Driscoll and Coach Lee, and just people that were seriously positive coaches before we even knew what that meant. Like mm-hmm. te- coaching off of instinct and believing in kids and knowing what it was all about. But also then it, w- it wasn't about getting scholarships and stuff too. So yeah. it was different. It was different. They weren't outcome oriented. No, 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 no. It was about, like they, and, and the thing was, we were super successful. You know, we yeah. had, we were a, a line of guys that weighed 165, 170, 180 pounds. And we were, that was the last league championship that Bella Vista won playing football. But it wasn't because um, we were five-star recruits. It was yeah. because we believed in each other. Our coaches believed in us and we got after it. You know, we we wanted to do well and we worked really super hard. And I think, honestly, when I was in college, my intent was to become a high school football coach wow, or a high school cool. baseball coach and cool. teach at the high school level. And I just happened into Carnegie and I, the first sport I coached was track and field. Never ran a day of track <laughs> in my life. But that was the point where it's like, it doesn't matter what it is. I'll figure that part of it out. But it's about kids and getting them connected somehow to their school where they, that will feed into the classroom and just make them better people. It's just about using sports again as a tool, as a tool to, and it's not necessarily just to get them connected. I can teach yeah. a ton of lessons in that wrestling room and out on that track and I can get them connected to their community and do so 
it's such a wonderful job. It's not a job. It's a wonderful role in life where you know that you can look back when you're that old man. And no, I'm not be that proud, old man yet. I'm getting there. But where you can look back and say, no, I, I made a difference. I did mm-hmm. something with my life that sent out some ripples that will impact a lot of people. And if you do it the right way, it will. And that's, you know, it's not, it's not about your own ego. It's about how do I give back what was given to me? How do I make my community better? How do I build on the traditions and the learning and the, the love of the game and being able to look back when they're old men, old women and say, those are good old days. I had some people that cared about me and wanted to make me a better person and whatever the venue is, it happens to be wrestling or track or teaching history or talking to a kid in the hallway. No tools. No it's tools. about how do I help other people learn more and just become better human beings. That's that it. Is beautiful. Right. Um, awesome. I love that. And I literally have no response to that, but um, I just know that all those people, all those human beings are going to pay it forward. And, you know, there's a long-term ripple effect for that. And I want to know, I want everybody to know how grateful I am to have you teaching those life skills to the middle school human beings. And then they transfer into it. And, you know, we say that and Uh that's totally true. But honestly, we get more out of it than we give. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's hard to explain. Literally the most rewarding, the most amazing, the most rewarding job in the world. I had back to school night earlier this week and I spent a great deal of time telling the parents how much I look forward to work every single day on Sunday nights. I'm excited because I get to show up to work the next day. I'm not dreading work the next day. I love it. I love my job. That's why we don't say we're going to work in the morning. We say we're going to school. Yeah. That's what we're doing. That was amazing, Dana. Thank you for being so, so candid with us and transparent. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very lucky, uh, human being and the experiences that I've had and I will continue to have. And with that, this experience is over and we will see you in one month for episode three, hopefully. So take a listen, pass it on to other people, let them know what we're doing in our program, the great things that are happening out there from coach Smith and coach lane. We thank you. Go Skronkos. Skronkos.